it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get A through it. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's a kind of a Mardi Gras edition, at least we're starting out that way, for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I have uh, some great guests lined up coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk with um, Ian uh, from the UK. He's uh, an investigative journalist over there, written a book called uh, The Doctor Who Fooled Everyone. And uh, in the second hour of our three-hour tour, I'm going to talk with uh, author John Camage about his book, Unplanned. But first, we're going to kick things off in uh, Mardi Gras fashion and talk to someone. He hasn't been on the show for a while. The first time we talked about his book about uh, New Orleans history called City of a Million Dreams. And uh, he joins me by phone from New Orleans. It's uh, Jason Berry. Jason, welcome to the show. Tom, always a pleasure to be with you. And I kicked off there with a little uh, appropriate music, I thought, from uh, a group. I always try to play local music or music that has a local tie, and that was the uh, Bayou River uh, band that um, used to play on the on the riverboat over in Lansing and the one down in Detroit, and I had the good fortune to be playing with those guys uh, on Sundays uh, some years wow. ago. Um, what instrument do you play? Drums. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And that was that was us. That was the late uh, Dave Kozel on horns, and uh, uh, let's see who else. Uh, Gary Clavette, and anyway, it was uh, it was fun. Every Sunday we'd play on the riverboat. In fact, um, I don't know if I, I probably have never told you this story, Jason. The uh, 
Uh, Sunday after uh, Hurricane Katrina, uh, Katrina hit New Orleans, um, and in in the aftermath, and, and of course anyone who was around remembers the days of coverage of people stranded at the Civic Center yeah. and all of that. We played uh, uh, on the riverboat, as we always do, and, and it was a very traditional New Orleans-style Dixieland band. And we played Do You Know What It Means to Miss New Orleans, and I don't think there was yeah. a dry eye on the boat, Jason. I'll bet. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of New Orleans and Mardi Gras, it's a little different this year. <laughs> That's a grand <laughs> understatement. Yeah, there's not much going on. Even if we were not caught in an Arctic freeze, as everybody in most of the country is, uh, Mayor Latoya Cantrell, because of the uh, COVID-19 epidemic, uh, ordered the French Quarter uh, pretty much shut down. Uh, I mean, the hotels are still open. They're not many people staying there, but um, he's been a a very uh, forceful leader, in my view, uh, through this terrible crisis. And there was a lot of partying going on about a week and a half ago. People without masks, you know, oh, man. hanging out on the streets and stuffed into the bars. And she just said enough and uh, closed the bars. And in fact, there's even now a uh, you know, there are traffic barriers to, to get into the quarter, so uh, none of the big parades uh, are rolling as they have in the past. But what we have seen, which is really kind of encouraging, I guess, is people decorating their houses as if their houses were floats, you know, to travel uh, on tires through the city. And so people walk or drive through neighborhoods and look at the floats and sometimes the people inside the houses stand on the balcony of the front porch and they throw them beads it's been <laughs> i think everybody is is sort of hip now to the realization that this is a new tradition that has been spawned. Uh, <laughs> well it's <laughs> it's it's um interesting that you brought that up because i was uh, looking through uh the uh city of new orleans uh, website and also the uh the mardi gras website and I, I was um, really fascinated by some of the creative ways that people have come up with to at least try to recognize and acknowledge some of the traditions. And one of those being um, uh, virtual field trips at, at uh, various museums uh, dedicated to the, the floats and, and the various... Uh, parades and and crews and so on and and people can can check it out online or even in some cases as you suggest drive by and it's well kind of reversing the, the yeah, parade. The, the virtual commerce in this if you will has been rather explosive all kinds of you know people are putting things on facebook and you can go to links and websites and see things i uh I have really been struck just in, in you know, driving around the town, even the neighborhood where I live, across the street from me, um, my neighbor uh, put up an elaborate uh, display of Alice in Wonderland, and uh, right around the corner, um, 
there's a house that's decorated entirely in blue, uh, you know, singing the blues for the lost carnival. And it's so interesting that, uh, and she's got lights out. So you see these, you know, shimmering blue lights as you drive down the street. And in the middle of the porch, she hung two large crabs, blue crabs. Uh, so I don't know, maybe they go fishing a lot in that house. Uh, I, there are houses that I've seen, which, um, oh, have, uh, dinosaurs, uh, large dinosaurs, you know, like the brontosaurus with the large neck. Um, uh, Zorro seems to have quite a presence at, at several homes. Um, Louis Armstrong, uh, I've seen twice now <laughs> depicted. There's one house on Carrollton Avenue, uh, not too far from where I live. And there, are, I think, six larger-than-life, um, I don't know if they're mannequins or if the people actually made them and then put the, uh, you know, the uh, outfits and costumes on them. Um, uh, it, it really speaks, I guess, to the ingenuity that many people have and how deeply felt um, Carnival is as a, as a season and a tradition here in New Orleans. You mentioned, you know, the the freeze that's going on through the South and and uh, um, unseasonable seasonal weather. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's been cold for Mardi Gras before, and yet people still went out and um, you know celebrated. The parades still were held. Can you ever remember a time when the parades were, were canceled as they have been this year for January and February? Uh, no, not really. Uh, well, historically, uh, I, I know that they were canceled uh, during the World Wars, um, World War One, World War II. Um, there was one cancellation uh, of the last four days, I guess, of Mardi Gras, and that was in 1979 when the police department went on strike. Uh, it was quite a high-profile political battle between the mayor, uh, Dutch Morial, and, um, uh, and the Teamsters, who were organizing NOPD. And, uh, you know, it was... I, I, I think the NOPD really overplayed its hand by uh, doing it during Mardi Gras. And, um, you know, everybody was, <laughs> I shouldn't say everybody, but there were any number of people who were accusing the police of trying to, to kill Carnival. And that's like saying, hey, Virginia, somebody's trying to kidnap Santa Claus. Uh, in this town. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, Morial uh, was the first uh, African-American mayor of the city. He had gotten elected in 77 uh, after Moon Landrew. And uh, all of these old pedigree, um, you know, uh, all-white uh, carnival organizations uh, got behind him. And so... It was an odd sort of political rapprochement. It's not as if they had come out against him, but many of them had supported other candidates. But it it sort of uh, solidified his support among um, 
you know, the old pedigree precincts and, and a lot of the, you know, civic elite, so to speak. He got reelected handily uh, several years later. Uh, but that year, uh, the governor ordered the National Guard to come out. And so we did not have floats going down, you know, the major arteries of the city. That did not happen. But everybody turned out. In fact, I was doing some film work that day following a Mardi Gras Indian group around. And um, <laughs> I remember going into this little bar on Chapatula Street and one of the chiefs, for those of your listeners who don't know, the, they're now referred to as uh, masking Indians. Uh, these are um, African-Americans who create these dazzling costumes of Native Americans. And it's a tribute to the um, Louisiana Indians who harbored uh, slaves, escaped slaves, maroons, as they were called, you know, far back, you know, before the end of the Civil War. It's a rebel tradition, an urban warrior tradition. And so this chief comes into the bar and he's got on this brilliant blue, um, you know, headdress and he's having a beer at the bar and He's smoking a Pall Mall. It was just a wonderful <laughs> moment. And I, I'm standing there with my camera crew, and this anchor man comes walking in. This guy had a tin ear like you read about. And he walks up and he says, Chief, the police are on, your, are on strike. Are you going to be able to hold your people in line? And I just, I just, oh, my God, did I squirm. How dumb can you be? Hold <laughs> your people in line. And the guy looks at him, he's got a Paul Mall dangling from his lips, and he just says, we try. We try. <laughs> I think kind of said it all. Anyway, uh, so the Indians, uh, the Indians absolutely paraded that year. And, you know, I got down to the French Quarter by the late afternoon once we had done with our filming. And uh, it was packed. People were on balconies having a good time, but without the big uh, parades rolling. And and when was that? 1979. Okay. Okay. So since then, if I'm not mistaken, this has been there. I guess there have been, I I can think of a couple and I wish I I knew the years, but there have been uh, Carnival Day. Mardi Gras, of course, Fat Tuesday is the last day of carnival season. Uh, or Mardi Gras season, as it's also called. But there have been a couple of uh, Mardi Gras days when the weather was really awful, um, terrible rain, uh, you know, driving people in and the parades having to to stop. Uh, I think that happened about four or five years ago. Um, uh, but for the most part, we've never seen um, a situation like this where uh, a pandemic has shut down so many of the, uh, you know, normal uh, outlets and rituals of the city. Jason, I need to put a comma there. I have to take a short break. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Um, Yeah, happy to. My guest is uh, Jason Berry from uh, New Orleans, uh, writer, author. We'll talk uh, about his filmmaking when we come back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. (laughs) 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, kind of, uh, uh, I don't know if you'd say we were celebrating, but certainly acknowledging that uh, today is uh, traditionally Mardi Gras in New Orleans, as most people know it, although Mardi Gras is a whole season um, it ends on uh, Fat Tuesday today, and uh, talking about that with me is uh, um, really uh, a, a pretty well-known uh, New Orleans historian, Jason Berry from New Orleans. Jason, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. <laughs> well, Tom, given how cold it is outside with nothing happening today, <laughs> not much penance to, to wait <laughs> to wait for you on the next part of the show. <laughs> well put. Um, you know, it's it, it's funny. We were talking about uh, it's it's there's a pandemic and it's unseasonably cold in New Orleans today. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. um, 16 degrees or something right now? Well, actually, it warmed up this morning. It's now about 38. But last night was very cold. And... Um, in fact, I got a, a, a robocall from, uh, if that's the correct term, uh, Entergy, which is our you know utility, uh, about 7 o'clock, and they said that because of the widespread pressure on the grid, they were asking everyone to please reduce the use of electricity any way you could, um, and to, to, to be as moderate as possible. And, you know, a lot of people have gas stoves, that kind of thing, gas heaters. So, um, you know, I turned off most of the lights, uh, but just enough to sit in the living room and read for a while and, uh, you know, and see some of the things on TV. But, uh, you know, fortunately, we have not had the extensive um power loss that they've been experiencing in texas i've got cousins who uh, live in fort worth and called yesterday to see how they were doing and um, they had been without power uh, most of the day fortunately they have a fireplace and so they've been just feeding wood into the fire sure uh to try to keep warm everybody huddled into the you know same room you know it's i i was um actually wondering about that because when i lived out in uh i lived in los angeles for a short time and i had a very very small studio apartment and and mm -hmm. calling it apartment is actually giving it a little more <laughs> credit than it's due but um, right. but it had no mechanical you know it had no heat yeah. it had yeah. no air conditioning and you know i wonder if if a lot of places in the south are are that way where you know, when it gets this this kind of cold, what you know, what can people do if if their house doesn't have heat because you don't usually need it? Well, that's a a good question. One of the things about New Orleans is that um, uh, a lot of folks here who have old houses. Um, particularly the shotgun houses, you know, which are one room after the other, um, still have uh, space heaters that are gas, um, you know, gas-fired. Mm. And um, it, it can be awfully tempting to turn up those heaters, you know, when you're in the middle of a deep freeze outside. But 
it is also dangerous because you know that's how you know fires start unfortunately so uh so far as i'm aware we haven't had any you know major fires um but then again uh, you know the world being what it is you learn about this stuff online uh, pretty much before you even hear about it on the radio or see something on television and i have not been you know cruising the websites this morning but at least as of this morning uh, when the paper came there were no major stories of fires which is good i think this city has been through so many crises with hurricanes <laughs> primarily it, it is you know and people just hunker down there's a real survivalist um uh mentality uh we got through katrina we got through the storms this year um floods happen frequently I know y'all have had serious problems with the water supply in Flint. Right. Um, it's, it's a different issue, but, you know, people who, who and, you know, this is happening everywhere now. Uh, it's almost impossible to find a place which is not subject to, um, and my Lord, you look at the Bay Area and, and parts of Southern California and what the fires did out there. You know, we're all living in an era when the earth is revolting. And, um, well, without going on a, you know, platform here, uh, I think even even conservative people realize that we've got to do something to, to you know, stop the, the flow of gases into the environment that come back and hit us in all these different ways. Yeah, there's always a temptation when... Uh you know, someplace like New Orleans or, or like they're seeing in Texas with uh, large amounts of snow and ice and, and freezing conditions. It, there's a real temptation for people to say, you call this global warming. But but I think you're right, even even conservatives and, and science deniers are, are beginning to come around to the conclusion that that climate change, at least, is real. Yeah, I wouldn't be that generous toward climate deniers, but that's only a personal aside. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as they say in the military, Tom, as you were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I. You know, we all know we're we're living through this, and uh, you know, you asked about about Mardi Gras, and one of the things that is so engaging about this town, this town, this time of year is the the unleashed satire that comes uh, when when the parades begin to roll uh, several organizations in particular uh, are really pretty merciless toward <laughs> pol- politicians um, you know uh, there's one organization crew d'etat uh, which <laughs> it's, a, it's a bunch of downtown lawyers uh, you know they kind of tilt right i guess although i think they do have some liberals in the group uh i know a few uh and and some of their floats in years past have been pretty extravagant um when edwin edwards uh was governor uh here this is before he went to prison uh he he was famous for his comment that he would be safe with voters and less caught with a dead woman or a live boy and um they really uh had great sport uh, uh <laughs> with him showing him 
surrounded by, you know, fulsome uh, women and, you know, with kisses on his cheeks and everything like that. And, uh, you know, when David Vitter, the United States senator, was caught in one of these uh, prostitution scandals, uh, he really took quite a hit in the mannequins uh, that they put on their floats. Uh, there's another group, uh, Crew de Ta- excuse me, Crew de View, and um, they're a, a marching club. They do have some uh, parades, I mean, uh, some floats, but they're largely a, a marching group. And uh, they, their satire is almost X-rated. Um, <laughs> so uh, since this is a family radio station, I don't think I'll, I'll go into all the, the, the graphic <laughs> details of some of the things they do. But it's really amazing to watch it uh, from the sidewalk, as I have done in front of the Palm Court Jazz Club every year. And, of course, I didn't get to do it this year. But uh, anyway, Uh, anyway, to me, there's something quite refreshing about a community that can be scalding in its treatment of its elected officials. (laughs) Jason, I think the last time that we spoke, it was... um, about something you you had written about the pandemic um, and comparing this pandemic to previous pandemics. Um, it, do I have that right, or am I thinking of something? Uh, I well, I did a piece, I guess maybe eight months ago, uh, a profile of the city health director, uh, a woman who. Um, was an emergency room. Uh, she was a professor of medicine and an emergency room doctor for many years who then became the uh, uh, city health director. And um, yeah, I, I mean, she taught, and a lot of people have, you know, drawn the comparison between uh, the COVID-19 epidemic and the Spanish flu, uh, as it was known, of 1918. Interesting there, you know, Woodrow Wilson was the president. It was the end of World War One, and he didn't want to get anybody riled up and pretty much downplayed it. And it had a devastating spread, just as we saw with, you know, Donald Trump when he didn't want to confront it. And uh, I'm not blaming, laying the entire blame on him, but uh, he certainly deserves a major portion of it. As, um, as long as you mentioned Donald Trump, I, uh, I wanted to bring up the the Louisiana senators right. and and um, their votes with regard to impeachment. Um, a lot of the senators that that voted uh, to convict are facing pushback from their their state parties. Is that happening in Louisiana? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the two senators are John N. Kennedy, who uh, backs Trump to the hilt, and Senator Bill Cassidy, who, they're both Republicans. Uh, Cassidy uh, is a doctor, and uh, before he was elected to Congress and then on to the Senate, he, uh, I believe he was an OBGYN, but he delivered babies. Uh, at the big Earl Long uh, Charity Hospital in Baton Rouge. And uh, a friend of mine, a historian, Howard Hunter, said to me the other night that he said, I think Cassidy looked at the evidence and he acted 
like a doctor will do before going into surgery. Okay, we have a problem. Where is the cancer? Uh, how substantial is it? Okay, we're going to go in. We're going to take it out. We hope the guy lives. And his argument, which I think makes sense, was that Cassidy looked at the evidence, was persuaded, and decided, you know, I was in this building when it was invaded by the mob. I'm going to vote against the guy. Even though he had been a big Trump supporter uh, previously um, and, uh, you know, supported his reelection. The pushback has been rather striking. The state party uh, has censured him. Um, and a lot of people are up in arms about his vote. You know, I think the big question, and uh, I, I don't think it's, you know, only germane to Louisiana, but where you've got such rock-ribbed support for Trump and people are not willing to um, look at the facts that have been laid out and, and realize that, uh, you know, he went, way beyond the pale and what he did. Um, it's almost like a cult. They're going to back him as, as far as he goes. <clears throat> and um, my own opinion is that Make America Great Again was really a dog whistle for uh, Make America White Again, bring back the good old days when we didn't have to think about people of color or uh, civil rights or, you know, migrants trying to get in and um it, it you know he he was a demagogue is a demagogue unlike any we have seen uh, certainly in my lifetime that's saying uh, a lot coming from louisiana it is it is <laughs> well well look there there are <laughs> that's a good point there's two demagogues uh, well three of recent vintage uh, each of whom uh, I, I see elements of in Trump. Uh, obviously, David Duke got um, the vast majority of the white vote, and everybody knew he was an ex-Klansman. Uh, by the time he ran for governor in 91, he'd been in the legislature, what, two and a half years at that point. And um, all of this information was coming out about his web of, uh, ties to various neo-Nazi groups. I did a lot of reporting on Duke back then, and I, I was just struck by the denial mechanisms. All these people, I mean, he got, I don't know, like 60% of the white vote. It was a huge turnout. And Edwards, Edwin Edwards, who was running for a fourth term, <laughs> there was a... <laughs> There was a, uh, uh, a bumper sticker that said, vote for the crook, it's important, meaning Edwards. <laughs> he had, uh, well, he'd beaten one uh, uh, indictment. He was tried in between his third and fourth term. He won a conviction, and then he served a term and then finally went to prison, which didn't surprise many people. But uh, Edwards was himself, you know, by the standards of demagoguery, he was... He was kind of like a stand-up comedian. Uh, he loved to to make sport of his uh, of of his, <laughs> of his opponents. And when he ran for governor in 1983, he was running against Dave Treen, who was the first Republican governor in over a century. 
And Treen was a very stolid, hardworking, he was a decent guy. He, he was one of these people who was quite conservative in Congress, and then he became governor and realized he had all this money to spend. So <laughs> he was very generous to black colleges, to, you know, and he started the Department of Environmental Quality. He ran TV spots linking Edwards to waste pits, all of which was factually accurate. And Edwards killed him in one line in their debate. He said, Dave, you're a nice guy, but the problem is that it takes you an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. And, <laughs> you know, it's a great line. You it is a great line. It. It's a great line. And he won, and he's the same guy. And everybody knew about his affairs. It, it, it's like Trump, you know, all these women yeah. who sued Trump for you know, sexually uh, abusing them and rape and everything. And he just simply said they're not telling the truth. Well, Edwards was different. He, he, uh, he, it was always a wink and a nod. And at one point he said, look, I'm safe with voters unless I'm caught in bed with a dead woman or a live boy. And, <laughs> you know, anyway, he saved us from, from the Nazi. The third guy who really, to me, is like the, the final hydra head of Louisiana demagoguery was Jimmy Swagger, the televangelist. Yeah. And, you know, Duke ran with a hard, hard push uh, seeking the votes of the Pentecostal Christians, so many of whom, you know, revered Jimmy Swagger. And, uh, you know, Swagger had his famous you know, fall from grace, if you will, where he pleaded on national television, I have sinned against you, my Lord. And then the prostitute to, uh, with whom he had uh, cavorted in one of these $35 uh, an hour no-tell motels on airline highway started giving interviews. And, uh, but, you know, he's back on the air and, and he's been back on the air for years. And, uh, but that you know, tearful, when, when, that tearful apology is, uh, a move you would never see from Donald Trump. Oh, no, 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 I'm not saying Trump would ever apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. no. But, but what I am saying, what I am saying is that if you look at these three figures, each one of them had this mesmerizing hold on, on the masses, on, on people who ordinarily would say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to vote for someone who runs around on his wife or, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. I'm not going to vote for somebody who has a birthday party every year for Adolf Hitler. Oh, no, that would be terrible. But they see him out there with that gleaming smile and, you know, telling them that their world is being threatened and they vote for him. I, I, you know, demagoguery at a certain level is about the the mysterious power of personalities. And, you know, I think the Republicans who are, uh, you know, marching behind Trump even now are, are almost like members of a cult. They've drunk the Kool-Aid and and they cannot get away from it. How long his hold on the party lasts, I, I don't know. But my guess we'll get is, a good look in 2022. Oh, I think it may come before that, Tom, because really. If yeah, uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, be overly optimistic, but if he does get 
indicted in Georgia, uh, and he gets indicted in New York within the next year, I don't think his influence will be will be that great. I just don't see it lasting. It's going to be hard for them to rally around a guy who is going in and out of courtrooms and cannot. Um, I mean, what what is he going to do? He's just going to keep attacking people who are indicting him. And once he goes into court under oath, what does he do? Does does he actually take the stand and say, well, the election was stolen when there is no... I mean, that puts him in a position, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but think about it. Suppose the... Uh, I'm still wrapping my mind around Trump under oath. I know, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he he wasn't going to go near Congress the other day and testify. He was a lot and, well, and he had lawyers who were saying, "Look, stay where you are, keep quiet, let us do the dirty work." And it it was pretty dirty in my view. Um, but if he if he is ever put under oath, he's going to have a serious struggle because how can you say the election was stolen? Well, there there's no proof, right? And, you know, they could go after him for perjury if they wanted. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But uh, so, yes, you're right. I, I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't dispute what you say that we'll see the results in 2022. But um, well, they'll certainly be measurable. Well, I think so. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's uh, you know, it's almost impossible to, you know, Jason, for you and I to, to talk and, and not end up talking about politics a little bit, but I, I do want to get back to uh, Mardi Gras. And first, sure. I want I mentioned your book, City of a Million Dreams, which has a, a companion film documentary um, that was slated for release in 2020. Were you able to finish that, or did the pandemic get in the way? Well, the <laughs> thank you for the kind memory. The the pandemic really slowed us down. We are almost done with post production now, but we lost, as so many you know businesses did. We lost. Oh, uh, well, it, it, it's hard to quantify how much time we lost. We were able to keep working, but um, using Zoom meetings is is not always the same thing. We're at the stage now where we are uh, getting the licensing. Um, and permissions uh, for the various uh, images and, and songs and uh, entering into uh, film festivals. Um, uh, and we're laying groundwork for a premiere in New Orleans this fall in um, October or November. We haven't quite finalized the date yet, but the film will be out in the fall. Um Jason, I, I've got to take another break here in a moment. Can you stick around for a few minutes and we can wrap things yeah, up in the next uh, sure, sure. segment? My guest is uh, writer, filmmaker, journalist, um, Jason Berry from, uh, well, and historian Jason Berry from uh, New Orleans. And there are three things that people equate with uh, New Orleans um, historically. That's Mardi Gras, music, and food. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about the music and food when we come back and uh, talk some more with Jason. Um, 
If you're listening to us on 92.1 LPFM in Flint, WFOV, our voices radio is a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean. To wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. 
where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner, program.com. Tom Sumner, program.com. First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest uh, this hour is a historian, uh, journalist, writer, filmmaker from New Orleans, Jason Berry, and we're talking a little bit about a very different Mardi Gras this year. Hey, welcome back, uh, Jason. Thanks again for sticking around. Oh, my pleasure, Tom. Um, you know this I, I mentioned just before we went to break that that uh, um, the parades on Fat Tuesday and and Dixieland music uh, or jazz anyway um, and and a, the Cajun influence on music we could do a whole show just on the music of New Orleans but uh, but music and food are certainly part of the celebration and uh, whether it's king cakes or gumbo whatever and and you mentioned in the last segment i think that uh, that uh, the new orleans mayor had uh, closed all the bars in the french quarter because of uh, overcrowding and and not following uh, pandemic protocols and so on but what is happening with the restaurants in new orleans are, are they able to to get by on on takeout or limited seating how, how is that that working that's that's a, a a tough question because um it it has been really difficult almost impossible for some restaurants um whereas others uh are are managing you know the 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 more famous restaurants uh, in the French Quarter, for example, you know, like Galatoire's and Antoine's, they've been at reduced staff, which is tough, especially for, you know, wait staff who, who rely on tips. But they have been doing takeout, and until the more recent uh, order by the mayor, um, they, you know, people were going to dinner. Um, out in different parts of town, a, a lot of it depends on the degree to which um, the restaurants have been able to follow the protocols. Uh, a small anecdote, um, Sunday night, uh, you know, it was Valentine's, and so my wife and I ordered out. We just got our, our second vaccination shots, and we just didn't want to want to go out and mingle we've been kind of like hermits uh, for the last almost the last year so anyway i went over to this uh, italian restaurant vincent's which is in the uptown area uh, right near the turn of the streetcar tracks along st charles and Carrollton avenues and uh, i was surprised that the restaurant was packed and um you know people were wearing masks as they waited to get seated of course, once you're seated and you have, you know, you have your drink, you, you have your dinner, it's pretty hard to eat with a mask on. And uh, I asked the gal who, uh, you know, the young waitress who uh, 
uh, had my order. I was standing at the bar in order to pay, and she, of course, was wearing a mask. And I said, well, how are you all doing? Have you, have you had a really serious uh, shutdown of the business? And she said, we have been quite fortunate. We did have to shut down during the very early part of the pandemic, but we've, uh, we've been able to do a great business with takeout. And, of course, seeing all these people inside eating, you know, when it was 30 degrees outside, reminded me that this is what people are doing during carnival season. They, they can't go to parades, but a lot of people are going out to eat. Um, you know, does that mean we're going to see another spike? I don't know. I certainly hope not. But I suspect that by closing down the French Quarter, as Mayor Cantrell did, um, we will not see the same kind of spike that we had uh, after other events earlier in the year. Well, I was uh, fascinated to see on the New Orleans website that some of the the finer establishments are are you know doing Zoom cooking classes and <laughs> doing all <laughs> kinds of creative online things, kind of tied to celebrating uh, Carnival and and. Um, and Mardi Gras. Well, that's certainly the case with musicians as well. Uh, yeah. All kinds of musicians are appearing. Uh, one of the big things that people have been doing uh, up until this, you know, serious uh, cold front, um, you know, you get a band to play in the front yard, and people would come and stand, you know, 20, 30 feet away, maybe, maybe a a hundred people would come, everybody throws money in, and then somebody, uh, you know, films it and streams it live on Facebook or a given website or something like that. And so it's been a way for some of the musicians to, you know, continue uh, to earn money. Um, but it it is very hard uh, for anybody who... You know, the gig economy, as it's called, is a major factor in this town. It's not just uh, musicians who are playing in clubs, but many of the younger uh, brass band players who rely on parades with the social aid and pleasure clubs. These are the neighborhood parading groups who typically um, every, you know, 39 weekends uh, from uh, you know, Labor Day until uh, the early part of summer, uh, they're out there. And these groups have beautiful costumes and elaborate choreography as they move down the streets. And, and they're a major source of support for the bands as well. Well, we haven't had that. And that's, that's tough on everybody involved. But as I said earlier, this is a resilient city. Um, we have been through every imaginable crisis and the town keeps bouncing back. So Mardi Gras has not uh, been happening much this year, but I guarantee you the, the, the satirical focus on Donald Trump a year from now will be even larger than it might have been this year. <laughs> well, Jason, we uh, we have to end it there, but as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's jasonberryauthor.com. 
com, and the film website is cityofamilliondreams.com. And let me say, every time I'm on your program, I enjoy the dialogue. It's a lot of fun. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get together again soon. Okay, Tom. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye bye. That was Jason Berry. He's uh, a resident of New Orleans and an investigative journalist and author. We'll have uh, a little bit more uh, music to uh, celebrate Mardi Gras throughout the show. Um, and we have lots more good conversation coming up.
you pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>